That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a podcast breaking down Batman v Superman by the Minute. This episode, we arrive at minute 106, an intensely emotional minute for for fans of Man of Steel and Henry Cavill's Clark Kent and Kevin Costner's Jonathan Kent as Superman summits the mountain on foot. All is lost. He has nowhere to go, no answers, and no surprise, he finds his father. Something in it. I remember of the entire movie this moment or these moments as the subjects of the shot kind of resolve into view a one I was not prepared for in the theater. Yeah, there was it. It was surprising because the, what there is no reason to expect him, but it was one of those moments of like, oh, this is what I needed in this movie right now. And I didn't as much as Clark. Yeah, I didn't know it. Like, you're like, what is he doing? And then you see Jonathan and then all of a sudden so much about what he's doing and what he's feeling and what he's looking for and what he needs is just for the audience, at least just kind of snaps into focus. And you're like, oh, yeah, he just needs to find his center. I think that's a terrific way of putting it. It's worth pointing out here from the start. I interpret most of this scene to be the most beautifully realized scene of someone having a memory come to them. Yes. Clark is, he said before, you know, why didn't dad leave? Like he has questions about his dad now that he's become a man. He doesn't have a father to instruct him now in the ways that he needs. And as he's lost, he then remembers his father. But from Clark's expression, he doesn't understand what's happening at first. Mm -hmm. So it leaves that question mark, which I think comes back at the end of the scene. But for right now, it appears that he is having a memory brought back to him from his actual life. And he doesn't know why at first, but then soon starts to realize his father did give him useful wisdom. His father did give him lessons, and just because he didn't maybe use the specific words that Clark was looking for, their shared life together still imparted that. G granted, we're subbing in a you know massively deadly snow-swept mountain for, uh, I guess by that, then what I'm saying is I imagine this was a conversation that Clark and Jonathan had on a different mountain. Yeah. It makes that makes me wonder if this is like was was Jonathan actually like reassembling a stone wall, <laughs> or or was doing something that was similar to this? It's just so funny that even in this scenario, Jonathan Kent needs to be accomplishing a task, working with his hands, right? <laughs> and also worth worth noting, only on this close viewing did I realize how rapidly the camera work and cinematography feels like Man of Steel. 
mm-hmm. Jonathan Kent brings back the handheld camera. Yeah. It, it still feels just authentic yeah. in a way. And like Jonathan's still wearing the same freaking clothes. It's just <laughs> so awesome. Well, you know, he's got a whole closet full of those, those flannel jackets and flannels and jeans. Yeah. He, well, and I think that he he's obviously not dressed for the weather in the same way Clark is. Not that if it was like a literal ghost, he would show up in, in like a North Face or something like that. But I think the other thing that just in terms of his his appearance that I never noticed until this watch is how... I've always, because he appears sort of obscured by Clark, and then Clark moves over and you can see him, but you can kind of see him come through the mist when he, when he first shows up, and it's, he doesn't render, the depth of field doesn't render him as if he is actually physically there and the camera comes up. If you watch, all of a sudden his shadow just, his silhouette pops into existence and then it clears up as opposed to being something that was there prior to Clark arriving. Like Clark, like, like, like you say, I think that's the memory appearing to him. And I like the idea that they were on a, like a Boy Scout trip or something, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, which I'd, I'd never thought of before. But I also like the idea how, you know, why, why not show this as a flashback? Like what you said, what he's realizing is that Jonathan did give him wisdom and, and guidance. And he just maybe didn't realize how it applied to him at the time. But I also feel like this is, I wouldn't be shocked if this is one of Jonathan's dad stories where he told it this exact same way with that exact same, like I was eating my hero cake and the horses were drowning. Like I, I'm sure he gave that same delivery, you know, a dozen times. And so, and so for Clark, it's like, he's not gonna have a flashback to that specific moment. Why not? have Jonathan literally just appear here to, to tell the same story that he always told him in these moments. And we know that Jonathan was very wrapped up in how to guide Clark and how to, what it meant to sort of shepherd this person with this power into the world and how to prepare them for it. And because he was telling him, don't use your powers, don't reveal yourself to people. When it comes time, you will need to do that. and. For this to be a story that Jonathan, even if it was only once, for him to have told Superman, you know that it was told with Jonathan thinking about that being the relevance to his son. Well, then also how how beautiful a choice that is, that the story is totally about his, like, working with his hands, feet on the ground, lived experience as a human. Yeah, this is not a problem that exists because you have powers it's a problem that exists because you take action yeah i also like how when he's he says we saved the farm oh nope that's next minute i think he says that we we stopped the what we managed to stop the water we saved the farm right um but well what i was going to comment specifically was how <laughs> how definitive that is and so i yeah. think that that, yes. that long is in the next minute yeah um, this is a good setup minute of the of the conversation because it is so like menial uh, like it's just so pedestrian a story yeah that for the first few lines of it the the viewer is as kind of lost as clark is Mm -hmm. sort of just wondering well wait why this story like why this memory why is this happening yeah again because it's Zack snyder and his entire team it's paired beautifully with like the the soundscape of the rocks clattering and we get the insert Uh shots of the rocks being built into something and his even the way that he says this we men of kansas live on a pancake so we come to the mountains 
on, on in the words of it, there is no inherent <laughs> insight. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe people from Kansas can say what what profound thing is said there by saying we live on a pancake. Well, it's just as far away from home as they can be. Not just like physically, but it is so the the it's a different climate. It's a different elevation. It's a different terrain. It's it's the top of the world. Yeah, as opposed, as opposed to, to a farm, farm at the bottom, bottom, bottom of, yeah. of the world. Yeah, I mean, this is like literally above and in the clouds versus the the floodplain. You saying, but the truth, is, this is a a truth that exists, whether you are in the clouds or on the floodplain. When you do these things, other things happen. <laughs> yeah, man, it's like it, this is Jonathan Kent's way of talking about piling stones to make a wall yeah. uh, while he's also like when we talk we break it down by a minute and we talk about this, this is the perfect time for it we get into the joseph campbell the the quotes that are on you know written into superman's suit here he's clark in his jacket and his toque but his father is saying picture this scrawled in stone mm-hmm. we live on a pancake so we come to the mountains yeah and you can just imbue all of that with is he talking about human nature? Is he talking about um, the blending of mythic with the everyday? Mm-hmm. Like, what calls people from the lowlands to stand on the mountain? You know, like, yeah. that whole, there, there's so much tied up in there that it's like, of course this is a movie. Uh, this is this movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's talking about this. Well, I think, and you, you're calling it a wall, and I guess... It's not exactly as uniformly or neatly stacked in the rock all. I always kind of considered it like a cairn, though. Yeah. And it was interesting because I looked up, obviously, those are they're used for all sorts of different purposes in different places. It's one of those like universal structures that humans build yeah. around the world, which I think in- inherently has an element there, too, of connecting. Like, like I said, we men of Kansas, but he's talking about just It's just natural for him to be doing it as, as it is on this mountain. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, whether it's Jonathan doing it or someone else doing it, someone is going to pile a pile of rocks on top of a big pile of rocks because that's just what we're drawn <laughs> to do. But it was fascinating how there's no single use for them across cultures or even within a single culture that they, they're used to mark graves, which feels kind of has some weight to it, I think, in this moment. But also they are used like in North America, there's a lot of mountains that will have a, a cairn like that on the top. Of course, I think they're they're bigger and they're sort of a, but it's a marker that they can use to, for kind of surveying purposes. So if we're going to talk about Clark being up here so he can see, it's like a he's the the idea of this is here because this helps people to get the lay of how far apart things are and just to get a macro view or a, yeah, they exist to exist, right? And then what you take from them is like yeah, no one agrees on that. Yeah, um, but. One of the it must there be a cairn? <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> the thing that I found like the most relevant, though, if if it even is is a cairn, though, is that one of the more common uses seems to be as a as a trail marker or or a guide of some kind. And I think that the fact that Clark is looking for a looking for guidance and he finds his father building a cairn as if to say, like, Clark, I I I marked the road for you. Uh, when I told you these things. To find Jonathan Kent at the top of the world. Right. Saying, again, take that same lens and we start moving into having the realization that Clark is that I remember one season the water came bad. Mm-hmm. And what he's going to teach 
is, again, in Jonathan Kent's signature style, an incredibly grim comment on the (laughs) the reality of life. But then, for right now, though, all he says is, I remember one season the water came bad, I couldn't have been 12. Uh, Dad had out the shovels, and, and we went to work, and we managed to stop the water. Dot, dot, dot. That's right on the minute mark. We managed to stop the water. We did it. Okay, great. How did you do it? This is the answer I've been looking for. Mm-hmm. Help me here, because the water is coming bad very, very much for me right now, and I don't know what to do, so tell me the right thing to do that will fix it and finally put me on the right side of this so I know definitively how to do the right thing. Minute 107 is going to be pretty brutal for Clark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In, in keeping with the rest of this movie, brutal, but maybe a glimmer. Yeah. Jonathan Kent, complicated dude, even in death. Uh, will also be, I've kind of said, Clark's mastery of this memory. Versus Man of Steel, he started to remember. We saw a flashback. And the thing that jogged his memory played out, and then we returned to him. This is something different. Mm-hmm. And I think that this scene is drawn to a close by confirming that this is something different. Uh, but that will have to wait for, I think, minute, o- minute 107 and even maybe minute 108 yeah. into it. But, um, but yeah, right now, I mean, this was the scene that I think uh, the scene of the movie I was most not ready for and the scene that I'm pretty sure I get to do the same thing is blame um, Lord of the Rings for coming out of the mines and it being broad daylight is I get to blame this for being so cold and so white that um, my eyes are just filled with lubrication because uh, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this shift in the theater. Now I can hold it together usually until the very last bit. But yeah, um, but yeah it's a Kevin Costner, again, shout outs to him. And I do really think that if people go back and look at how this scene is filmed with him and uh, Clark, this feels like you could take these shots and put them directly into Man of Steel and it would fit. Well, because also part of the Man of Steel was that way partly for the realism, but also the the handy cam or the steady cam or whatever you're going to call it feeling is intended to also evoke a level of uncertainty, which, you know, is huge for Man of Steel because that's all about sort of him finding himself there. And that's also interesting with this because of the way that it changes the way he's experiencing a memory or a flashback. And the story that Jonathan tells feels very much like a, it is the next step of guidance from Jonathan to an older clerk. And so the fact that they, it is differentiated sort of by not just the narrative maturing from him, you know, them sitting on the back of the truck and saying, I'm saying that you can't use your power. Like, so going from that to to this is is a a narrative step there, but then also it it brings back that that searching, sort of unsteady trying to find footing, and this is where he goes with it is advice from his dad. Very much takes Clark out of he is as far from being capital S Superman mm-hmm. in these shots compared to you know uh, Dolly Cam him coming down the Capitol. Uh, he right. is capital S Superman there. He he changes the way the movie is shaped uh, in showing it to, to this. Clark is an, Clark is kind of just trying to keep his focus on Jonathan. Uh, like you can imagine a, a young kid or a, a teenager there, you know, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's cool. It, it it's just it's uh, I never noticed that before. Um, so clearly that that Jonathan brings that back with him. So he managed to stop the water. Oh, me in the theater though, whew, <laughs> quite the opposite. This mo- this minute establishes the tone shift from where we were and what we were doing, and brings it like brings us back to Man of Steel, but also makes it very clear that this is not. This is in a different context than it would have been, you know, back then. That's why. So he's seeing it differently here. As are we, as are we all. That will do it for minute 106. I would say to recommend the podcast, support us on Patreon if you choose, or just listen. And, you know, uh, we, we love all our listeners and we're going to need all of you as we prepare for minute 107. Without question, the darkest minute in Batman v Superman for us that there shall ever be. I, for some reason, did not catch the everywhere Superman goes, Luther wants death. When you were saying that, I was like, is that in the movie? Or is, that just, is he saying it's implied? I've never picked it up any other time. And then, and then when you said it, I had to go back and like check the subtitles. I was like, oh no, she literally says that. But I was focusing on like, the metal and the and the lead and the it's in the and then I and then I go and watch the um on the mountaintop and how Jonathan pops in there and I'm like how do how is there so much of this stuff in here that I I don't because I literally had to keyframe through this to he's not there it's it is way, it is not nearly gradual enough to be like oh he just appeared through the fog like no he manifested in Clark's especially because you can see the cairn. But you can't like, see Jonathan, oh, and then Bomi's there. Like I could talk, be, because the way this is acted out, Clark sees someone and stops, mm-hmm. and then realizes, oh, right, someone else could be here. Yeah, and then walks. But then we get a shot of Jonathan that would be totally out of place because that means we are knowing what's happening before Clark is. Because then it cuts back to Clark and he realizes it's him and stops dead in his tracks. Yeah, but also if you look at the way that he stops, he he doesn't stop like he's like he he sees someone. Like he, he stops like is that he stops short like because he sees the the stack and maybe maybe it's the pile of rocks that reminds him of Jonathan because we know that that is physically on the mountain because we see that before Jonathan pops into vision. Yeah, but the point is that he. And you look at the way he's looking here, it's not like he's scrutinizing, trying to figure out, like, what am I looking at? He's looking at the horizon, which I think, you know, it's him remembering. And then he walks up Yeah, like up that to... first shot could be him not, like, he doesn't see Jonathan yet. Yeah. He's just observing this thing that's up here. Yeah. yeah. Man. We should have recorded that.